It's that time again. Almost an hour with Henrik Stenson, part of the Callaway Podcast Network. Jeff and Henrik here. And Henrik, our fourth show. We did a little pop-up show. In case people missed it, you guys can go listen to it. We talked about the Ryder Cup being canceled, so let's just kind of recap that in case people didn't listen to our our show, which then we're very mad at them for. Um, but the Ryder Cup uh, postponed for a year, going back to the odd years. Uh, give us, Scott, now that it's it's had a week to breathe, kind of give us your your, your longer-form take on it. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's certainly the right decision given the circumstances. Uh, uh, we all know how how hard everyone tried to make it happen, but I, I think uh, sometimes you just gotta gotta accept defeat, I guess. And uh, and it's it's going to be a rollover into next year. It's back to uh, to the uneven years, and uh, we're just gonna have to uh, look forward to it uh, in about uh, well, what's that? About fifteen months time. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll go back and listen to that podcast. You can get a lot more uh, of the take. You know, the biggest takeaways were that the point system is frozen, um, and that Henrik is on the cusp of it, which is good news because we need you in your sixth uh, Ryder Cup. Uh, but there's some other news this week, Henrik, and, um, you know, obviously we'll get to a little bit about the playoff uh, from last week. Back-to-back weeks at Muirfield, which is certainly um, unique. But there were a couple comments that came out this week kind of in the news media. One uh, from the RNA, uh, just kind of hinting about, you know, Martin Slumbers gave some remarks talking about that, you know, maybe just changing the ball is way too simple, but it's the relationship between the ball and the club. And he was really, uh, I think, talking a little bit about uh, Bryson, how, how this is the first time that that he said he can remember another sportsman in any sport fundamentally changing their physical shape. I mean, I can remember plenty of players who've changed their physical shape, just maybe not for the better. Um, <laughs> what, what, what do you think about kind of what the RNA said that there's now, it's maybe more than just the golf ball, that it's kind of this correlation between the athlete, the driver, the distance. I mean, you, you've been working out and putting on, on kilograms, right? Well, not, not in the, uh, in anyone here in the same, uh, neighborhood as as bryson that's for sure i might be i might be half a pound uh, half a pound heavier nice and stronger hopefully but, well that could be uh, a big driving uh, distance for you <laughs> yeah at least two yards right at least but but um, no i i had a, a sit down dinner with with martin slumbers from the rna a couple of years ago in dubai and had you know a good two three hours talk about where the game is going and obviously the um both the USGA and the RNA have had big concerns about the distance. Uh, it's uh, making some of the classical, really good golf courses uh, out of date. And I'm not so sure if they were overly worried about where we were as of now, but more looking where we're going to end up in 20, 30 years. Are we going to take certain player types totally out of the game by you having 30 guys looking and hitting it like Bryson or even a hundred guys trying, you know, to do the same thing. And if it's going to be a purely a power sport in the future. So I think there's, there's certainly, uh, concerns and, and big discussions behind the, the closed doors on, on what's happening and, and where we're going. Uh, on the same notes, I, I know that a ball manufacturer like, like Titleist and, Callaway and and the others are also feeling and maybe a little bit singled out in this discussion because there's certainly more than than the the golf ball itself. It's uh, it's also the equipment. It's also the the players. I mean, we've seen the transformation and how much stronger 
Bryson uh, has become and, and Brooks. I mean, he's he's not a he's not a weak guy. Uh, we got DJ, who's very tall and athletic. We got Rory, who's a small guy but very explosive and hits it a long, long way. So, I mean, the it, it's athletes that are out there competing. It's it maybe didn't used to be in the same in the same sense 25, 30 years ago, but it's it's certainly been big developments on the technical side uh on the equipment side but also on the on the player side so i think it's a combination that's that that's really taking it that much uh, much further well i know you don't like to talk about my golf game but i think i'm a little bit longer too uh other news golf channels rex hoggard reported that the pga tour through at least the tour championship uh will not have fans so uh when you uh do return which uh we should ask you uh plan still memphis memphis is still uh, still the plan Excellent. Well, Absolutely. I'm assuming you will FedEx yourself there, um, but <laughs> no fans. What What do you think about the decision that the tour announced that there there in fact will be no fans for the rest of uh, of the season? Yeah, it comes as no surprise given the current situation and uh, me being back here in, in in Europe over the summer in Sweden. I've I've followed the the uh, the way uh, the coronavirus uh, pandemic has has carried on and and the kind of backlashes we see in the states now so i i totally expected that to be to be the case that we're going to play without fans for for the remainder of the season and uh, again i wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be like that until the end of the year even yeah yeah i think it's the right move uh and i'm glad that they you know i was not excited when they said that originally this week memorial the second week of back-to-backs uh was going to have fans i do get it uh you know between the pro-ams and the fans that's significant revenue for these uh for these tournaments but uh it just isn't safe and 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 if if it puts you the players in danger in any more danger um it just doesn't make any sense and uh you know I, i've gotten kind of accustomed to I, I thought it would be a little weird with some of the quiet but I'm hearing a lot more, um, and uh, it's 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 enjoyable to kind of see uh, just kind of players, you know, because I don't know if you know this, Henrik, when I play golf, I don't have fans, so I can relate now mm. a little bit more. Uh, you know, there's no backstop or anything. All right, uh, Memorial, back-to-back events at the same place. Have you ever heard of anything like this? What, what do you make of it? Would you, would, you, I, would you have enjoyed playing back-to-back weeks? Would you only play one of them? What do you think? I'm still sitting here thinking about what you just said earlier. It's more quiet, and you you're hearing more. Yes, it's it's quieter, meaning that I can hear the players more because <laughs> I'm not hearing all the other stuff. But yes, I, I do always appreciate how you correct me whenever I make a mistake. And uh, <laughs> if you did notice, as I'm talking about the playoff, I typed accidentally my autocorrect the apps and downs of them, which apparently means we're downloading some apps. Um, but we'll get to the ups and downs in a minute. But uh, yeah, what do you think about back no, to back events? Back to back, it's certainly. Um, if I understand it correctly, then we had a full field. Was it 156 yes. players uh, this last so. week? And now we we're back uh, back again for a second week. But now it's uh, it's a limited field of yes. 120, maybe. Yeah, yeah, so, 120 invitational. Um, a little expanded from what they've they've done. They have uh, they, they used some different tees last week. The rough was down last week, uh, and different hole locations. Uh, the scoring average was about a shot lower than normally at the Memorial. Of course, didn't have the bite that we're used to, but I'm assuming it'll be back this week. Okay, so they're trying to change it a little bit between the two weeks as well, not to not to kind of make it a, a rerun yeah, the, the second yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with that, and uh, yeah, I think it's just going to feel 
a little little fun in a way to be to be in the same spot for two weeks. We're so used to moving on from from week to week. So to, to stay and play two weeks at the same venue uh, for the guys who are doing that, it's uh, it's certainly going to be a different feel. But on the same end, it's it's convenient. You can stay in your same. Uh, same house or same hotel or whatever the, the setup was and uh, it, it's going to be two easy weeks it's a great golf course and 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 a great uh, environment and practice facilities and everything so uh, i'm sure the boys who are there and playing uh, are enjoying the two weeks uh, in a row i really think the key to two weeks at muirfield is balancing the amount of milkshakes one would drink when you've participated in this tournament, and you, you've played this one a little bit, um, what's your milkshake of choice? Do you avoid the milkshakes? What's your, do you do them like pre-round, post-round, during the round? What, what's your milkshake strategy there? Uh, the strategy has been more in terms of uh, limits. Hmm. Uh, it's been, I think I put a limit for three each week uh, that I played, and most of the times I managed to to keep it at that, I think I snuck four in one time, but uh, I've been I've been pretty disciplined. It's uh, it, it, they're crazy good. I mean, you can get pretty much uh, any flavor under the sun. They done with uh, probably seventy five percent is uh, Hagen Dazs ice cream. They I, I can't remember. I asked uh, if it was last year or the year before. I asked the guys who make them in the in the in the restaurant there how many tubs of ice cream, and we're talking massive tubs. Mm-hmm. And they they were going. I mean, it, it's hundreds of yeah. of kilos. It's uh, yeah, it's crazy amounts of, of ice cream. And I'd say I go for uh, I go normally for the chocolate one or maybe Oreo Oreo cookie one. Nice. I'm chocolate peanut my, butter. Chocolate peanut butter all the way on that. I'll, re- I'll, I'll I'll remember that next time I bring you one. Oh, that'd be nice of you. That'd be nice of you. They heard they don't travel well. Um, all right, so this past week, uh, as we, we talked about just before we started recording, a little playoff between Justin Thomas and Colin Morikawa. Uh, a little bit of controversy here in the States just in terms of uh, people had a hard time finding it live on TV. I found it on streaming, so I had no issues. Um, let's just talk about playoffs in general, though. Um, tell me, you know, kind of what, what's your first, when I say uh, playoffs to you and, and, and participating in them, what, which one comes to mind and what's the mindset when you enter a playoff um, Especially sudden death one, not aggregate. Uh, it's um, I think that there's certainly a few a few uh, losses that that comes to mind. It's probably more the losses than the wins that that seems to pop up. So um, yeah, it can be it can sting for a little bit. That's that's without saying. And uh, I can't really remember my my playoff record. I've been in a few. I won a couple and I lost a couple. So. Uh, somewhat close enough to break even maybe in terms of wins and losses uh, and uh, uh, I probably I probably lost more on the uh, on the European so I've lost in, in South Africa and in, in Shanghai and in Germany so I know three at least that I've lost and uh, uh, I've won won another couple so uh, yeah it's uh, it's just one of them. Uh, you you can end up in the playoff, obviously, in a million different ways. You can you might have led the tournament and dropped a shot on the last. Uh, you might have finished with three birdies to get in there. You might be the happiest man to to make the the playoff, and you you might be the the one who feel like you shouldn't be there and you should have won this uh, a long long time ago. So uh, 
I think you can you can enter it with a lot of different mindsets and uh, also the uh, the way you look at it and how aggressive you want to play and uh, I, I don't know if there's any right or wrong strategy to take as well you could either go for it aggressively or you can maybe wait out and stay a little cooler if uh, if you think the other guy might uh, might go for it and and to see if he pulls it off and uh, the classical one are you first to play your second shot or you are you second to play so you 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 know what the what the uh, result is from your opponent or opponent's uh, shot into the green so uh, yeah I, I wouldn't say i have a strategy for the playoff uh, in general i do think it's interesting because um you always hear this that that the losses sting more than than probably they're more memorable than than potentially the win. Why do you think that that that's so? Trying to dive into a little bit of the psyche. Um, well, it's it's a it's a do or, do or die. I mean, I've I, I remember one of the ones that I won in in Germany. Actually, it was against uh, Retief Goosen and Padre Harrington. So I mean, when you when you're playing with against more than one player, it makes it even harder to. Uh, to to win it but uh, ultimately i mean it's it's going to be one guy winning happy and either one or uh, numerous other players are going to be a bit unhappy and yeah i guess you for some reason you you just remembering the remembering the pain more than the more than the happiness yeah, that's <laughs> golf that's golf that makes sense um all right uh jack nicholas what did you know about Jack as a kid? Was was what was your first sort of memory? Was it it was it eighty six like uh, many of us who are of a certain age, or what was sort of your first introduction to Jack Nicholas and his greatness? Yeah, I'd say eighty six. Um, I mean, that's even before I started playing, so it was probably more that that was still still very much fresh in the world of golf when I picked up a club in eighty eight, eighty nine for the first time. So uh, that that's certainly my uh, my first memory and. Uh, with Jack being uh, that that much older than myself, then uh, I, I haven't seen him play uh, in in his uh, in his uh, heyday or when when yeah. he was at his best. So uh, it's more the all the uh, the names on the on the trophies for for all the major championships and and all the other tournaments that he's won, and and then he's almost more known to me as a golf course architect than than as a player in that sense given that i've i played on on quite a few courses uh, over my my career and and some of the ones we we still play on on tour uh, to this day yeah for sure and we'll get into the architecture in a little bit um can you just say one thing because you have played the memorial and and that's obviously starting today as, as this gets released on thursday um tell me about how jack runs his event because from the milkshakes to the golf course to all the little details, uh, all the players that that I've talked to just say that it's it's one of the class events on on the PGA Tour, and that that starts with Jack Nicklaus and, and his wife Barbara. Yeah, no question. They uh, they put on a great week. They they really wanted to want all the players to to feel special and welcome, and 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 just doing that extra extra touch to it. So it's uh, uh, it's not a major championship, obviously, but it's it's a tournament that stands out from from a lot of other PGA Tour events. And when it's an invitational, it's a limited field, uh, and um, and it's uh, Jack Nicklaus' own tournament. So it's it certainly has a has a great feel to it. The golf course is uh, 
is in very good shape uh, and uh, it's a pretty pretty tricky golf course uh, especially when the wind gets going and you, you know uh, Jack's uh, love for Augusta is, is not hidden so you, you certainly got a few uh, a few holes that, that reminds you about Augusta as well and and some of the trickiness uh, especially the the 12th hole being a, a, a par three very much similar to the 12th at, at Augusta but a whole lot longer but a similar shape green and, and set up so um, yeah, it's a, it's a great week, and, uh, and it can be a pretty tough week as well out there on the course. Yeah, well, you've had some success there, and uh, you've had some years that have not been your best golf, and it seems like uh, it, it's always one of those events I always enjoy watching. All right, time for Ask the Iceman. This is a chance for people to go to your, Henrik, social channels, ask questions. Our amazing team in the background pulls the best questions or I'm really thinking, Henrik, what they've really done is they've tried to find the most complicated names for me to say or even the most complicated questions for me to read uh, just to embarrass me. And the good news is <laughs> anyone whose questions get asked on the program gets an Ask the Iceman t-shirt. Have you seen these t-shirts yet? Yeah, I've seen them. Uh, I've been trying to get uh, one. I, I ask you questions all the time, and I can't get one yet. Mm, maybe at Christmas. We'll, we'll, see, right. uh, we'll see if you get one wrapped up nicely for Christmas, but... Yeah, I think the T-shirts, uh, they look great. And, uh, yeah, I, I certainly enjoy uh, ans- uh, answering or trying to answer yeah. some of these uh, questions that come in. So well, good. Keep, well, keep them coming, folks. Yeah, keep them coming, especially as Henrik's playing. What I'll probably do is I'll try to go to some of the events he's playing when they allow people in, and I'll just ask him questions during practice rounds for 18 holes, and uh, we'll see how long that goes. All right, question number one from Luki Songpreset. I apologize in advance for butchering that name. I'm going pro after graduation. I want to know about your transition from amateur to pro. What was it like? What was the most difficult aspect? What most? What was the most valuable lesson or lessons you learned from the transition? Yeah, when when you turn pro, and obviously, I want to wish you the the very best of luck here. It's uh, it's certainly not a not an easy trade you you're trying to uh, take up here. It's a lot a lot of good players out there, and and. Uh, the way I find it is it's making it out on tour is probably the hardest thing. Once you make it out there, you, you normally have a full season to, to prove yourself. So really getting through that bottleneck and, and qualifying for, for some tour and, and, uh, and making it to the next level, it's, um, that, that's certainly where the challenge lies. But uh, the, big, the biggest thing, um, uh, depending on how and where you played your amateur golf, but for me it was... When, when I turn pro, then I'm on my own. I'm, I'm more uh, organizing everything myself, my travel, my accommodation. Uh, yeah, everything that goes with the traveling and competing part. And, uh, and then financially as well, you've you got to try and uh, come up with some system to uh, maybe organize a golf day or find some local businessman who likes to to play golf and maybe they can support you in in some way to to get some capital to to fund the travel and and the early days because it's uh, it's certainly uh, expensive to to head out there in the world to try and make a living as a pro uh, pro golfer or a, a pro athlete so uh, you certainly need some back backing as well and trying to to get that whole package together but uh, in terms of learning, I think you, you learn the most from, from the tough times. That, that's what I found. 
when you're playing great golf and you and you you're putting good scores in and then everything is flowing you're not necessarily learning that much maybe it's 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 to overcome the obstacles and and finding ways when when it's not going your way that that's that's really when you grow and and you come become better and um the key thing as a pro i would say is to to try and keep the scores together minimize the mistakes and work on your short game because it's just turning that day that could have been a 75 into 71 or 72 that that makes all the difference when you're gonna when you're gonna play for a living yeah and the good news is for uh lukey you have a new t-shirt so there's one less thing you have to worry about as you do the travel and the journey, you, you can wear the uh, Ask the Iceman t-shirt. All right, next one, and this is for all you football-slash-soccer fans. If you and Zlatan Ibrahimovic swap sports, who would come out on top? Well, I don't know if Zlatan even plays golf. And, I mean, I'm not a great soccer or football player, but I would, I would certainly try. Uh, I would fancy my chances then because I can – I can certainly get a get a football up in the air if I kick it, but I'm not sure if he can get a golf ball up in the air. So I'll I'll take my chances if we if we flip it in terms of playing. But if uh, if, if I would take him on one to one in soccer, I know uh, that wouldn't be much of a much of a game, would it? Yeah, I think you you actually would be an amazing keeper. Um, you know, emotionally you have the right makeup for some of the top keepers. I also think wearing the, the shades on the pitch would, would potentially rattle people. Uh, the other thing too, <laughs> the other thing too is a lot of people don't know, um, you know, cause you always wear a hat when you're, when you're playing golf, you have great hair. And I think you would just, you would frustrate people, even though, uh, Zlatan also has excellent hair. Uh, I think it'd be a really interesting battle, but I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Even if he plays golf, there's no way he, he's at the, the level. Um, you know, we certainly don't hear about him like, you know, like Steph Curry or someone who's one of the top, you know, Tony Romo, top amateur crossover uh, athletes at golf. Marty Fish, who won the, uh, the American Century this week. I think you could hold your own. Plus, you'd have teammates out there, right? So literally all you'd have to do is distribute it to your teammates or he'd be kind of caught by himself on the golf course. I think you got him. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I got him. Next one, Matt Adamzik. Did you see this one? He asked the question in Swedish. Now he asked it in English as well. Which way would you like me to attempt it to ask? To attempt to ask it. Uh, I think uh, I think we'd like for you to to read it in Swedish. Okay. Med in kubskap ut efret från adeg, ödumhum hat kunnat gå timbitska till nåd de burjad spela golf, hade den gort nagat anrunda. How to do? Oh, I have to say, I have to say, you did amazing there. That was. That was four out of five. Thank I, you. I, I give you a, a very good, but now now you can try in English and see okay. see if you can remember. Okay, I'd like to thank Annika for being my consultant on that one. Uh, with your knowledge and experience from today, if you could go back to when you started playing golf, would you have done something different? Um, I don't know if I have too many too many regrets. I think uh, uh, there's certainly certain things in. In terms of practice, yeah, I could have been more organized. I know that I I would have liked to uh, maybe spend a little bit more time on the physical side a little bit earlier because I've, I've certainly spent a good amount of my, my practice uh, in the gym and, and on, on my body in the last, say, 10 or 15 years. But I could have done a bit more 
uh, earlier, back in in the younger days. But I guess at the same time, I didn't maybe feel the need as much. But that that would be one thing that I would have would have done differently. And uh, yeah, maybe just uh, practiced even even more. I mean, I've I put my fair share in. I've, I've been one of the guys who, who put long, long hours uh, in at the at the practice area, but you always feel like you could do more, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And it's always easier, as, as you've stated earlier, to look back on what you didn't do as opposed to the things that you accomplished. But I do appreciate the honesty. Last one for Ask the Iceman. Hannah Lovelock, when you won the Open, you said your caddy, Gareth Lord, had to give up smoking. Did he manage it? Um, for a while. So, so do, you have, do you have to uh, win another Open then? Well, he, Gareth is not with me anymore. I, I know, but you still so, know him. So he he, uh, he he tried to quit smoking, and then when he didn't do that, I quit Gareth. So uh, no, that was not the that was not the That's reason. Really, that That's we, pretty good. That we, that we, that we that we split ways in uh, in the end, but uh, yeah. uh, no, he, he had promised and he, he tried, but. As anyone who's been a smoker and trying to uh, to stop uh, knows, it's it's a big challenge. And uh, he's tried again. And last time I saw him, he uh, he had actually uh, cut down quite a lot, and he Good. was trying some different ways to to get out of it. But uh, he, he jokingly he says that he he cost me uh, an Olympic gold medal because he was really grumpy in Rio. He he yeah. jumped off the cigarettes uh, after the open, and then he was. Uh, he was quite uh, quite a miserable caddy there for a little while. Yeah, it happens. How, how do, do you keep the Olympic medal with you at all times? Like, if I had an Olympic medal, I would be wearing it nonstop. Do you wear this thing all the time, or or not really? <laughs> no, it's actually in my trophy cabinet back in back in Orlando. So well, you better keep uh, we'll it away from it that tiger. And... Keep it away from that tiger. Yeah. <laughs> that, that thing looked pretty vicious when I saw you win that trophy. All right. Those are questions for uh, Ask the Iceman. Also, just so you know, I'm always available to help you out in a pinch as a caddy if you get stuck. Um, please ask questions on Henrik's channels, and you too can win an amazing T-shirt and potentially a new car, Henrik. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, yeah, we discussed that, and mm-hmm. it might it might be in 30 years, but yeah, uh, it might be a chance to win a car, yeah. yeah exciting. Make sure you ask those questions. All right, architecture architectural moment. I think we put that in there just so I can't say the word. Um, we talked briefly about it. Jack Nicholas is a designer. Uh, you see him at Honda every year. You've seen him at Memorial, um, at Hilton Head, which I know you typically don't uh, get out to every year, but Hilton Head, you know, that was where he worked with Pete Dye on that one, kind of where he learned some architecture. What I want to know is because you're a course designer and your golf course had some news moving into the top 10, as we talked about last episode in Sweden. How do you elite professional major champion golfer design a golf course for uh, someone uh, say like myself because wouldn't it be easier just to make it really really hard for you and then like impossible for me isn't that what you'd want to do so so you're saying design a course for someone that's as bad as you are well that's what you said i didn't say as bad as me but i'm just saying that that typically you know you can't design a golf course only for the tour professionals i mean i guess you could but it'd be it'd be really challenging the other weeks of the year for everyone so how do you as an architect look at a golf course and how can you relate to someone who's not professional and say oh you know what i need to put a landing area here i need to make sure this bunker is not going to be too penal for the amateur player who has a harder time getting it up in the air to carry uh this particular obstacle yeah no no question i think this is the uh, this is certainly the holy grail when it comes to golf course design how do you make a course that's playable and fun and and fair for for everyone and uh 
Christian Lundin that I work with and myself, we put a lot of hard uh, work and, and time into that when we designed uh, uh, then our first golf course up in Stockholm. And I think we succeeded to a very high uh, high degree because uh, we want to want to give the player a lot of different options. Uh, want to give uh, in terms of strategy, uh, but also if you if you are a player who, who needs uh, a few more shots to get around the golf course, we want to give you a chance to uh, use those shots in in terms of strategy and, and not force you to have to to go for a 185 yard water carry with a six iron. If you don't have that shot, I don't want to force you to do it. I'll give you an option to to play it around or have a bit of a bailout area or something like that so you can you can you can make it playable for for most players uh then it's is down to the discipline and the strategy of the golfer if you want to use one of those 15 extra shots that, that your handicap allows you to use or if you want to try and play par golf when you're 15 handicapper it's probably going to come back and bite you on on more than one occasion so it's um it's it's really to to give the the options uh, and and to leave uh, some areas where you can run the ball in it might not be the one where you're going to get it close to the pin but i still give you the option to run the ball in onto the green if you don't have those high towering iron shots and and also if you want to play away from from some of the tougher areas uh, bunkers and water hazards and and such and and uh, there's there's a place for you to do that as well but uh, it's a combination the golf course the design can give you so much and then you got to make good choices as uh, as a player as well but i don't want to stand there and say this is a whole everyone's going to hit driver i, I want to give you options on on what clubs to use depending on your form and uh, and and your strengths and, and we'll take it from there i pictured you saying i plan on every hole being a three wood off the tee <laughs> no, we're not going to make it that much fun. All right, that would be a fun golf course. I also feel like you insulted me with my handicap. Um, all right, well, that's that's a good answer. I do think that one thing I'd love to ask our listeners is when you're doing these Ask the Iceman questions as you're trying to get the T-shirt and potentially the car in 30 years, um, ask an architecture question or two because I do think those are uh, some really interesting topics for uh, for Henrik to dive into uh, during this time we get with them. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love to get some... Some some thoughts from from players in different categories uh, uh, on on what they what they kind of like and don't like and and uh, give give some input that we can we can make use of as well. That would that be great. Excellent. I also love to hear uh, about just golf course conditioning as well. This would have been the week of of the Open and at St George's. Um, I was there last time when Darren won, you know, talk about firm and fast. Um, that thing was, you know, I, I love that, though. I love the fact that the ball can hit and roll and run and get unpredictable. Just the creativity you get to play. I think sometimes it's it's the architecture combined with the course. Um, I don't know, it's agronomy or conditioning or, or just how the super is going to take care of it that, that can change the character of the golf course and make it kind of unique, right? Yeah, playing Lynx golf is certainly uh, uh, its own its own game like you say it's it's normally windy it's normally firm and fast and and you play a totally different game i love it because you can be uh, really use your imagination in, in shot making both in terms of well anything from the t-ball to the second shot to uh, to around the greens you can 
one hole you lift it, one hole you, you bump and run it, and one hole you just run it along the ground completely. So you can play so many different shots, and there's never a right or wrong answer to it either. It's it's all about what comes out of it, and and uh, and and it's it's great fun to to play links golf, uh, no question. Uh, going back to that open there, I think uh, the last day though it was like playing in a car wash. It was yeah. absolutely hosing it down and uh, windy and. It, it was tough conditions, especially for, for anyone who played in the morning to midday. I think it eased off a little bit towards the end. And when, when Darren and, and the other players were, were battling it out for the Claret Jug there, on, in the end, it wasn't as brutal. But it no. was uh, it was a tough, uh, tough Sunday uh, at St. George's back in 2011. Yeah, Dustin hit that ball out of bounds. Uh, it was one of the first times that really on American TV we had some shot tracer. And you could just see the ball. And what was cool about the shot tracer that they were using at the time was the ball actually changed colors as it went out of bounds because some players who would play a draw would actually hit it. It would get right along the edge of that fence and then kind of come back. And, and his didn't. And it went to like that red color and it kept going red and it kept going and it was it was pretty shocking. And then uh, what I remember was the traffic leaving because uh, when the other days it's not that big a deal because people are kind of sporadically kind of coming in and out. But uh, on, on a uh, open championship Sunday, everybody stayed to the end. And I think everybody was there to have a, a cocktail with Darren after the round either, it seemed. And uh, it took quite a while to get out of town. I think there were a few pints of Guinness being thrown around after Darren won yeah, the Open. A few, a few. All right. Um, viral video of the week. So let's let's take a look and watch this video. Uh, I have it here uh, ready to go. And this is just pure madness. I mean, it's, it's, it's music, Bryson DeChambeau. Like kind of, I don't even know what you would describe the music that we're seeing, um, but it's very much like kind of mood music, and then he's just absolutely smashing ball after ball after ball. What's your what's your takeaway? Yeah, I'm just watching it there. Yeah, I'm just feeling sorry for the golf ball. Yeah, I mean, but you see all the different things. There's, like, cameras that pop in and out. You know, he just, uh, there's people who kind of come in and out. Look how fast he hits. I mean, yeah. can you practice that fast or not? Oh, look at this. Yeah, Ooh. and then you, so here's where we get to it. The the, the <laughs> hit location is all, so, so break, break this down for us. You're laughing. Tell us why you're laughing. I mean, 144 miles an hour? Uh, no. Oh my goodness! Yeah. What eight, is eight degrees on the up? Eight degrees on the up. What is typically your number on the up? I'm happy to get a degree up. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. Yeah. There's been times when I've been down. I know that's not preferably uh, the best way to hit, to hit a driver. That, that's probably why my three wood is is uh, yeah is the stronger weapon. But uh, no, I mean that's. To me, it looks like uh, like a javelin thrower or a discus thrower, some or or a baseball uh, hitter who someone who wants to bat it out of the uh, out of the park. I mean, uh, I mean, it's just like brute force. Yeah, I mean, jo- jokes aside, like if he got on the old course on a windless day, I mean, what he would be able to be, if he's playing well, because the one thing about Detroit that people probably overlook a little bit is he led the field in strokes game putting too so it's not like he was just just hitting the ball forever he was making his putts uh, i'm a little bummed we don't get him and uh kepka in the same group today 
because they've been kind of sparring on social media and stuff, uh, and that would have been good fun. Uh, hopefully, maybe we'll get it soon or at, at, at a major or something. I think that'd be kind of interesting. But it, it is interesting to see what, what he's doing. And I can tell, um, you know, that, that, that extra half pound that you've put on is, is people are going to be talking about you in the same light as, as Bryson. So maybe you should do a video like that practicing. <laughs> maybe you should do a mock video like that where you're like practicing wedges or something like that. And it's just smooth and slow and use the exact same music cut. I know some people who can edit it for you if you send it to us. <laughs> yeah. Um... I just don't know uh, if uh, if the guys would be getting too distracted of, you know, turning it into long driving competition if right. Brooks and, and, and Bryson were paired together. And there's a few others you can throw in there as well. Yeah, uh, for sure. So it, it could be it could be a lot of drive for show and not so many putts for dough. It could be uh, it, it would be fun though. I mean, I'd, I'd certainly enjoy it as well. Uh, to watch that. So we'll, we'll see if that's going to happen. I'll, I sure hope so. Yeah, for sure. Let's try to call some people and, uh, and make this happen. All right. This day in obscure Henrik Stenson history. This was kind of a weird one because I don't know why you were going to school during the summer, but apparently you did, or maybe I have the wrong date mix, mixed up, but I believe it was in the 10th or 11th grade. Uh, you got a detention in uh, economics for refusing to take your sunglasses off in class. Now, the moral, the story I heard, because I've seen this with you, you don't like the bright lights when they're shined upon you. Uh, I, have, I have heard rumors when you're doing like TV commercials and stuff like that, that you really don't like the bright lights kind of right in your eyes. And that teacher in economics just had a, a, a light that was just a little too bright for you, so you put your shades on. Can you kind of remind people how 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 that went down? Uh, yeah. Well, when the when the light is shining on you, you better put your shades on. That's kind of the moral of the story. Well, why wouldn't the teacher allow you to have shades on in class? I mean, didn't she know that one day you would have Henrik Stenson eyewear and people would be able to go to a website and order such amazing sunglasses? Uh, she probably wasn't that much forward thinking and, and, mm-hmm. uh, she, she couldn't see that into the future. So, uh, well, well, um, I mean, summer school and detention, that's something you're very familiar with. So, yeah. uh, I guess we'll just leave it at that. Okay. All right. Well, that was this day in obscure Henrik Stenson history. The one I'm really excited for is in two weeks, I believe is the anniversary of when you got your, uh, first driver's license. So there's, there's a great, uh, obscure Henrik, uh, Stenson story that we will get to in a couple weeks. All right. The tour story. So one of your most famous shots, ball rolls in the water, but it's not lost. You can see it. Take us through, set the scene for us, tell us where we were, what we were doing, and, and what happened, because uh, you, you've relived this moment so many times before, but I don't know if people have really heard the entire story. We saw in that, that great European tour Zoom video uh, that you relived part of it when you got up. You, you also failed to wear trousers, um, which is mm-hmm. a little, little hard to watch first thing in the morning, but um, walk us through the shot. Tell us what was going on. Yeah, so we're we're at uh, at Doral, uh, WGC. I'm teeing off on the tenth, and if I don't remember incorrectly, I, I hit the turn five under par. I'm doing great, yeah. uh, probably tied for the lead or something. I hit this poor tee shot on on uh, on the third hole, and I hit the car path. Goes into this uh, dried up pond, uh, which is just like pure mud. Uh, so I'm looking at my options, which you should always do before you make a decision in terms of dropping and, and what whatnot and I come to the conclusion that if I'm if I take this penalty drop in the Bermuda rough under the trees uh, I'm not going to be able to hit the green from there I might take the the lake to the right of the fairway into play 
uh, all kinds of things. So I'm, I'm thinking, well, if I can go out and play it, I might be able to, to wedge it back over the trees onto the fairway, give myself a wedge shot to the green and have a putt for par. So for the love of the game and, and my score and, and everything else, I uh, take off my shoes, my socks, my white trousers. And while I'm standing there, I'm thinking, well, this yellow shirt's going to be completely covered in mud as well. So might as well take that off as well. So I'm, I'm just there in my tidy whities and, and my golf glove. And uh, yeah, exactly what I thought would happen, happened kind of. I, I played the ball back into play. I, I hit a good uh, good enough wedge shot up there and just missed the putt from about 10 feet for, for the par. Yeah. And uh, and worst ways, I saved a shot compared to uh, to dropping it in the trees. So um, it was certainly worth it. But that picture went absolutely viral. There's one photographer there. He took the shot and it, it was in probably 100 newspapers and magazines around the world uh, the, the following days and weeks. So um, we, we certainly got, uh, got our fame on out of out of that shot. Yeah, so this was in 2009. Um, yeah. you, you made a bogey on the hole and away to an opening round, 69, four strokes behind the clubhouse leader. He, here's my favorite part, some of the quotes. Because of the mud, I couldn't really afford to play in any of my clothes as they would have been a real mess down the last six holes or so, so I had no option. I was only wearing two things <laughs> when I hit the shot, my jocks and my golf glove. That is the only thing that will appear in the picture aside from the golf club, just the way God created me. Shirt, trousers, <laughs> socks, shoes, hat, the lot was off. I just remembered I didn't have any rain gear, so I didn't have any choice. I feel like I was definitely going to save a shot. If you're saving a shot, it has to be worth it. I'm sure I hear a full a few comments. Uh, I love this part. I don't think I scared too many spectators off the course. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. End quote. End quote. End quote. Well, I just think it's one of the great stories that that's ever happened. I've never heard you tell kind of the full story behind it. Um, did you get any photography? Uh, requests after how many times have people asked you to recreate the photo? You know, do you do you sign people's briefs? Uh, what what what's kind of been the longest lasting effect of this? Because two thousand nine is you know mm. quite a while ago. Yeah, even to this day though, people uh, people come up at at events and they have this picture and they want me to sign it. And I've had requests to sign uh, to sign it and send it off to uh, to some people's wives because they it's their favorite golf photo and nice. things like that. So. Yeah, we've we've uh, personalized a few and sent out. I'll, I'm actually going to get you one. Oh, that would be I would be honored. I would be honored yeah. to have one. Well, you've already sent me one photo of you that I do keep on my desk, so I can just add it to the collection. <laughs> All right, Henrik. Next time we are talking, will be from Memphis. You will be in the heat of competition, getting ready for your return to the PGA Tour. Um, how are you feeling about the game as you're, you're, you're edging closer to, to, to that? Yeah, I've been, uh, like most people would, would know, if you, if you play a fair amount, you kind of get a decent result out of your game. So uh, I've, I've tried to keep up playing. I've, I've probably played more this summer than I've done uh, a, lot of other, a lot of other summers in terms of just playing social rounds with friends, family, uh, and keep it going in terms of pure practice i haven't i haven't put that many full days in and uh, as we're getting closer here it's going to be more and more focus on the on the golf game and, and getting ready but uh, overall i've i've enjoyed this break i know we're we're in a bit of a messy situation here and it's it's certainly not something we we wish for in any shape or form but 
we've all tried to do the the best we can with the situation and uh, given that I've had 17 seasons I think with not more than five or six weeks in between them uh, I've, I've certainly enjoyed some more downtime and, and time with the family and uh, and just being home because that's something that that we that we don't see too much when we're out playing that much as we as we do, uh, we spend half of the year plus on the road so uh, i uh, i've enjoyed those parts and uh, but also i'm looking forward to coming back and seeing the boys out there and starting to compete again yeah well i'm going to make a bold prediction that uh it's going to be a late sunday tea time for you at harding park and uh, i think the three woods going to be working there uh, you're not going to be phased by any marine layers or anything else that's going on. So I think this time off is uh, is going to serve you well. You're going to come back fresh and uh, and be ready to uh, to go. And speaking of ready to go, we will be ready to go in a couple weeks with another almost an hour podcast with Henrik Stenson. Make sure you go to Henrik's social handles um, and ask your questions for the Iceman. Uh, I mean, this is this is a thrilling thirty-year competition for the car, but the T-shirts are real, and then, and they'll, they'll they'll ship almost immediately. I mean, I've actually seen the T-shirts go out to people, so this is exciting stuff. Um, I appreciate you spending some time with us and letting your fans uh, get to know a little bit more about you and get to hear some more great stories. But I am excited to be able to document kind of uh, the upcoming months as you're going to be returning back to the tour. I'll give you the final word. Any uh, any last thoughts you want to leave everyone with? No, just uh, enjoy the golf and, and uh, stay safe and healthy. That's uh, that's kind of all we can do at this point. And uh, we'll, we'll speak back, uh, catch back. Uh, uh, that, that worked out well. Well said. Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> all right, here, we'll do that one more time. But I think we'll probably put both versions in because it's more fun. So, Henrik, uh, you know, la- any closing words or any words of wisdom, any thoughts you'd like to leave our fans with? Because the next time we'll talk to them in two weeks, uh, it'll be game mode. You, you won't be smiling. The sunglasses will be on. It'll be all serious. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, just keep the questions coming. Uh, I enjoy answering them and uh, enjoy the golf when it's on TV. And, uh We'll, uh, we'll catch back uh, up in, in two weeks' time.